Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for being my guest on The Now of Work. Hi, Jess. My pleasure to be here today. You know, I had the opportunity to meet you through a, a platform that you helped to co-found a few years ago. So I definitely plan uh, plan to ask you about Innovate Work. And thank you again for having me on, on your platform as a guest. But I love it when I get to reciprocate and talk to interesting people from different parts of the world who have a different slant on the world of work and everything we're doing, everything we're trying to accomplish. We have so much to talk about today, Bill, but would you do me a favor and introduce yourself, give people an idea of what you do and where in the world you are? 100%. Before I do that, uh, Jess, thank you so much for being a speaker at, at that Innovate Work event. You are awesome. And, um, and, and I'm sure your listeners can find the video of you presenting if they want to check that out maybe in the show notes or something but definitely worth a watch everybody um i'm bill bannum i am the founder of the hr gazette magazine and co-founder of the innovate work event series which is for uh, hr operations talent folk and leaders uh i have brown eyes my favorite football team is norwich city that's soccer for anybody listening in in, in america and my se- secret superpower is that uh, I play the didgeridoo. And uh, I'm also a host of a podcast. Um, Jess and I, we did an interview together not that long ago, and that's called the HR Chat Show. Okay, we've got to circle back, Bill. You know, I can't move on past this instrument name that you've dropped, the didgeridoo. Did I hear that correctly? That is right. That's right. <laughs> Although I'm a terrible Brit, uh, I, learned, uh, I learned how to play the, the wonderful Australian ancient instruments uh the the didgeridoo it's like fifty thousand years old or something it's basically just a long hollow stick where you blow into it and make a crazy noise may i demonstrate for you yeah oh my goodness if you could okay i don't actually have a didgeridoo here with me right oh. now unfortunately <laughs> okay but I, I can make a crazy noise which i'm sure you can probably edit out if it sounds too crazy mm-hmm. um, it, it, it goes something like this there we go okay enough of that and now okay. everyone knows exactly what you're talking about now because we've all seen that instrument right you know i i hail from minneapolis minnesota the home of the minnesota vikings so we do have viking horns people like to blow when when we have actual live in-person sporting events so if there's an equivalent it might be something like that but i know they're different Well, I love you. So you play the oldest instrument in the world. That's quite an interesting trivia. I don't think I have interesting trivia like that. Uh, But thank you for sharing that. So Bill, thanks again for being my guest. I feel like we're sort of um, birds of a feather because we both, we're both content producers, really. We both build community. We put out podcasts and content for people to consume and produce, uh, for, for people to consume and learn from, which means producing that much content you have to you have to consume a lot of it yourself so we i feel like you might relate to this you have to you take in so much content to get a pulse on what's going on in the industry in the world of work uh you tend to pay attention to themes you notice what people are talking about or want to talk about what they sort of need to unpack and better understand uh so we have this lucky sort of bird's eye view i feel like when you consume and put out that much content and organize communities like the two of us do what have you been noticing especially with guests that you have as part of your event platform the community that you've built what are you what are you noticing what's really standing out to you in terms of how people are thinking about work and and what works about work and and maybe what doesn't 
Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've, I've been in marketing now for about 13, 14 years. Uh, many, many years of those at the beginning were trying to guess what people wanted to consume, what they wanted to learn about. You know, that's, that's you and your marketing team sitting down and uh, trying to figure out the agenda. But over the course of the last few years with, with the podcast, certainly, um, and then with the events, that, that's given me an opportunity to, frankly, shut up and listen. You know, um, to, to get to get experts involved with 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 the the building of a community and and to hear from them, and um, it's not going to be any any major surprise to you, Jess. But people tend to care about things that that are happening to them, the things that are in, impacting them directly. Right now, of course, everything's about COVID and and, and its impacts. Um, so, a lot of the sessions that we've been been presenting at Innovate Work, or a lot of these shows that. Uh, I've been I've been hosting on the HR chat show uh, uh, around around the pandemic and how that's impacted people, whether that's personally or, or of course within their working lives, and, and then breaking that down in terms of, um, for example, uh, how, how it's affected the recruitment process or how it's uh, how it's impacted those people who are perhaps out of work and trying to get back into the job market. Um, but there are there are some other themes as well that that continue on through despite this awful year. Uh, things like AI and, and the, the ongoing concern by people that they're going to be replaced by machines and I'll be heading towards this, this dystopian future of the Terminator when everybody's replaced by mm -hmm. robots. Um, the, the, the gig economy has, has, has become a very, very important subject for everybody because you know, a lot of people who have been laid off, maybe they won't be going back into full-time roles. In, instead, perhaps they'll be, they'll be joining uh, the contingent workforce, right? Um, so that's, that's been something that we've been delving into quite a lot over the past few months. Um, something else that I've had an opportunity to, to hear about and to learn about, um, we've, we've had this wonderful speaker, a guy called uh, Stephen Shedletsky, who's from uh, Simon Sinek, uh, is, is, uh, is the topic of finding your why. So um, Simon Sinek, for, for those people out there who aren't familiar with his work, uh, he's an awesome thinker and um, Stephen's been on on the podcast a couple of times our most popular podcast actually was with with, with, uh, was mm, with Stephen and and, uh, and and that's 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 probably more relevant than than ever uh, because it, it's it's about taking stock of where you are in your personal life and where you want to be in your work life and how you contribute and how you contribute to something bigger uh, people people perhaps get mired down into into the intricacies of, of day to day but actually you know we're all only here for a finite amount of time, Jess. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty important if you can kind of embrace the fact that you're, you're contributing to something bigger and it's about maybe leaving, leaving a legacy, whether that's, again, in your personal life or in your work life. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. When, when things get real really fast or when they feel really sort of raw and, and stripped down, as tends to happen during a global health pandemic, social justice pandemic, all of the, you know, the things that we're all experiencing together. That's the other thing that's so interesting. We're all globally experiencing something together at the same time, which doesn't happen often. It, when there are impacts to global economies or financial markets or job markets, em employment, um, politics, you know, uh, they tend to impact people in a region um, that are that are specifically and uniquely affected by that thing. I don't know that we've ever had a time in in my lifetime, anyway, or in our 
combined lived history right now, uh, where so many things are impacting so many people at the exact same time. So in this strange sort of way, while we're all locked down, hunkered down, sort of in place, can't move about as we used to, it, it's this weird kind of global interconnectedness, you know, sort of universal feeling um, and attachment to things um, that's also playing out. Um, which means I feel like some of the themes that you've, you've talked about are quite universal. People figuring out what really matters to them, why they do what they do, uh, both personally and professionally. So even though there are more people who are uh, jobless or, or perhaps will go back to work in a different way, even in a different industry than they did before because of some of the impact we've seen um, on, on verticals and, and job markets and, and certain industries. Um, I think people are, are giving themselves more license to be creative, um, to explore something they might not have considered before in terms of the type of work they do, even how work is structured. I think more people flooding the gig economy or putting together multiple streams of income or being co-employed, um, you know, out of necessity, I think we've had to, to explore those things. But also we've learned that work can be restructured in ways that better support people and where they are and what they want to do, how they want to work uh, versus people bending to work um, in, you know, feeling like they, the nine to five job, the full-time job, the in-office job, business travel, all of the things that we always assumed were required because that's the way that type of job has always been done. I sort of love that we've thrown so many notions out the window and we're able to reimagine um, what we do, how we do it, why we do it. So it was a little bit of a tangent, but it's, it's just interesting to me how much we've destructured and that means we get to restructure it to meet people um, and, and sort of why they want to do what they want to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I think as much as there've been uh, so many negatives and so many tragedies this year, it, the, the situation has allowed people to, to experience something new. Personally, I, I've been working remotely for gosh, I don't know, at least seven years, I think uh, in, in, in one way or another. Uh, so, you know, the, the whole idea of, of uh, working working from home or uh, video conferencing and whatnot that's not new to me um, um, and that, but it's, it's pretty it's pretty refreshing to see uh, so many other people now getting opportunity to do that and and to em embrace technologies that allow one to, to still do their job and, and do it very well but not have to worry about commuting or, or all of these other things that you know perhaps added stresses to their lives uh, previously um, also to your point it the last six, seven months, it, it's allowed people to kind of take stock, to reevaluate where they want to go and what, what, how they want to make a difference. And um, that, 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 that's hugely important. You know, none of us wanted this to happen, but if it's given some of us an opportunity to say, well, in 20 or 30 years or whenever I'm going to finish my career and I look back on that part of my life, am I going to be happy? Am I going to feel like I made a difference? Uh, because we only live once. Um, yeah. then, you know, that, that, that's a big positive out, out of what otherwise is a pretty awful year. 
Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think a, a lot of things, you know, when we consider massive transitions or disruptions or change, true transformation, truly, you know, g- going from one thing to a completely other thing, <laughs> you know, when we consider those things, whatever they are for, for each of us in our own lives, I don't know that we would ever, ever choose uh, to do something if we know it's going to be hard. If we know how much, you know, that it's going to be painful, if we know how much change it will require and what disruption will actually feel like. I don't know that we would choose, you know, most of us would, would really go down a path uh, knowing what's, you know, what's required, even if what's on the other side is worth it. And so it's interesting to me when something like this happens where we have no choice and we go through it and then we're sort of glad that it happened for various reasons. I've also been working from home for, you know, over 10 years, um, but I'm not used to working remotely with three little kids in my lap (laughs) doing Mm -hmm. school at the same time. Uh, Would I choose it? No. Is it hard? Yes. Uh, But are we doing okay with it? Yes. And there's definitely things that... I will be glad about. I'll be glad that we had certain experiences. I got to teach my nine-year-old how to read music. I never would have sat down for an hour to teach her how notes are placed on a staff and what a treble clef looks like. And I, even though I know that I know music, I never would have sat down and literally taught her to read music for the first time, unless somebody said, it's time to learn music now. (laughs) So I'm pretty glad that, that we had that moment and, and it sort of happened because of this, you know? Wow. That, 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 that's an amazing example of, uh, of something positive that's happened uh, as a result of this. You're, you're absolutely right. Nobody would have chosen for this to, to, to have happened to, to them. Um, but you know, if, if, if it brings out positives and it allows people to, to embrace new things, I took up gardening. Okay. Just as an example, <laughs> I took up gardening this year. Um, I, I definitely did not have a green finger, but I, I loved it. I, I, and, and if you can appreciate the, the, the little things in life, uh, as if you're forced into a situation, but it, it, it allows you then to appreciate the little things in life, whether that's in my case, watching my, my beans grow, Jess, in your case, <laughs> in your case, it's having an opportunity to, to, to teach, to teach your, your daughter how to read music, then, you know, life's not all bad after all. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a mindset thing. And I think that's the other thing that's uh, really coming out this year that you have to choose, you have to choose your mindset and you have to choose to look for the wins. If you, if you navigate 2020, uh, and consider it a complete loss. You didn't take a single opportunity to look for a single win or silver lining, as we like to say, then that's sort of on you. That's sort of a mindset that you you chose not to embrace the the opportunity that disruption really does bring because it unearths opportunities or paths that you might not have discovered on your own. Um, so enough enough of the soapbox thing. One thing I love about your, your background, Bill, is that you are a true marketer. I came from the HR space. I grew up in the talent space, uh, starting as a recruiting practitioner, running talent acquisition and sourcing teams inside organizations, fell in love with the tech that we use to recruit better, to, to create better work experiences. And here I am now running marketing for an HR consultancy focused on digital transformation of work. So that's how I arrived at my role as a marketer. And you, you started truly, truly as a trained marketer uh, who happens to support and do that work in the HR, the human resources and work space. Um, so I sort of love, you know, I never imagined that I would be a, 
a marketer, but I'm a natural storyteller and a and content producer. I love connecting the dots and explaining why things matter. So here I am in marketing, but you coming from your lens and looking at the HR space, does it surprise you, Bill, that HR doesn't take more notes from marketing? HR in my mind has a massive opportunity to tell a better value story, to do better marketing to the workforce, uh, to sell, like literally to sell why, why, you know, why we are using um, a certain tool or technology to better service or support you, why this is our policy or our program. Um, even internally, the, I think HR has a has sort of a branding problem about the actual strategic and valuable role they play within an organization. So does it surprise you that human resources doesn't take more notes from marketers? Well, uh, before I before I answer that, uh, just to give you a, a bit more background on me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a marketing guy, and and how I got into the world of HR is uh, I, I got a I got a job for a company that did uh, events for for HR pros, and they also had uh, an online and uh, in, in print magazine called uh, HR Review in, in in London in the UK. Um, and uh, I just I just loved I loved the space uh, I I loved the people. Um, Every every company of a, of a certain size upwards is going to have an HR department. So if you get good at it, you'll probably always have a job, right? Frankly, mm -hmm. um, and, and uh, that was many many years ago. And I've always stayed in and around the world of HR ever since. Um, in terms of why HR doesn't embrace marketing practices so much, and, and maybe the lessons from marketing, I, th I, I think firstly it depends a little bit on on age or or certainly adoption of technology um you know I'm, I'm i'm a millennial just born in 1983 so i'm just a millennial um and uh, i'm one of you know I, I guess i'm an early adopter when it comes to social media and, and social media is is telling a story it is it is personal branding um it is connected with brand advocacy and, and, and those other practices which perhaps were traditionally the realm of marketing but um, I don't know I, I think I think certain certain groups of HR folk so early adopters of technology uh, Millennials Gen, Gen Z certainly uh, Gen X to an extent um, I, I think it's easier for them perhaps to to embrace some of those areas which were traditionally seen as the realm of marketing but Generally speaking, in 2020, I mean, if you and I had this conversation five years ago, uh, it would have been easier to eliminate. But in 2020, I, I think I think most people get it. You know, if, if you want to if you want to have a an attractive employer brand, if you want to attract the the best talent, whether that's um, you know in the context of gig workers we were talking about earlier or, or full time employees, if if you want to project to potential customers that uh, you offer a, a great solution, then you've got to tell a good story. And that's the, that's the key to marketing, isn't it? Telling a good story. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, you know, yes, of course, you've still got traditional HR functions, um, um, uh, performance reviews in some cases, or uh, dealing with payroll, um, managing up, all those sorts of things. But uh, HR is way more fun than that, frankly. Now, I'm, I'm being biased as a marketing bloke, yeah. um, but <laughs> HR is way more fun than that now because you get to tell the story of, of a brand. You get to encourage uh, internal and external advocates for, for, for your employer you, you get to build out the culture and and um and uh develop what your what your why is 
um, for why what you know for the reasons why you're you're doing what you do at, at that company so um yeah although there are still traditional roles which perhaps are uh, not directly connected with 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 marketing functions there, there are a lot more now than than ever uh, which overlap and and also the technologies you know uh, the ways that we communicate um five or ten years ago sending out an email campaign would have been completely the remit of a, of a marketing team well now hr teams that they may manage certainly internal communications they they may sit down and, and uh and map out with their marketing team what it is that they want to to tell uh the the, the wider public about the brand and how that would be in an email campaign or through social media promotions or whatever else it might be so i'm, I'm pleased to say from from what i've seen that there's a big overlap between the two now and, and certainly still of course there are lessons that the HR can learn for marketing but vice versa uh, marketing are not always the best people at listening to to the needs and, and wishes of HR. Yeah and I, I so much agree and HR has has something that marketing would be so so jealous of and would love to have which is unlimited data and insights about their target audience you know, with, with marketers dealing with a consumer or an external audience, you wish you knew more. You're constantly trying to learn more about the people that you're targeting, your buyer persona, and, and leverage that to better target and personalize and make relevant your messaging with a higher chance of conversion, right? That's, that's marketing. With HR serving the workforce, especially in some of the functions that um, recruiting, yes, you're, you're doing that externally, uh, but we forget to keep recruiting our own people and we forget to provide the same beautiful experience internally that we provide externally to our customers. We also forget that we have, you know, that, that we still have high expectations for an experience once we work inside an organization. So if you're rolling out change or if the business is pivoting or just to keep me engaged over time and to retain me over time, you should keep creating an experience for me and marketing to me and selling to me. But instead we just sort of roll out, you know, we just sort of send a company-wide email, you know, like we, we miss out on opportunities to truly engage and market and to, and to keep, you know, a, a craveable brand isn't just for your external audience, for your customers and talent you hope to attract. It's for your people too. And I think that's the biggest sort of missed opportunity for HR when it comes to taking a few notes for, you know, act a little bit like a marketer when, when you talk to your people, uh, when you create an experience for your workforce, make sure that's as beautiful as what you would provide customers. Because if employees aren't happy, they're not going to make happy customers. Um, and so I, I love to see the overlap and I hope that it, continues. And I do think we're, we're getting better. I'm, I'm seeing more innovation happening and uh, more, more innovative HR marketing practices for sure. That, that, that's a hugely uh, important point. Uh, so marketers, absolutely. They're, they're always looking for new ways to, to understand uh, their audiences and, and to reach new audiences. And, and frankly, your, your data universe, if you're a marketer, can never be big enough. Uh, whereas if you're an HR person, you, you kind of have a, a captive data universe, if you like. You know, you, you have all those all those lessons in, internally that you can pull on to to better understand uh, your ideal candidates, to better understand uh, how how to 
how to engage with, with your existing employees to, um, to try and identify those that uh, would make for awesome leaders, perhaps who would want to become leaders, whatever it might be. And you've got, you know, survey tools, pulse tools, you name it at, at your disposal. And it's all captive. It's all one, one inclusive internal data universe and gosh I'm, I'm i'm getting quite excited about this aren't i um <laughs> maybe i should have been an hr person uh, <laughs> but yeah there's a lot of potential there and there are some amazing technologies out there certainly and again i think i think over time um, as hr and marketing kind of does overlap more and more in, in terms of the the discipline and the technologies that are being used uh, HR people will get better at that. You, 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 we've seen in the last year or so the, the huge numbers of CHROs going into medium to large size organizations who've got a data background, not a people background, actually, which is pretty interesting, uh, which has, of course, spawned and um, created offshoots in, in new job titles such as chief people officer so that you can keep that cheesy term, you keep the human in human resources as well. Right. Well, I, that's right. And as cheesy as that sounds, I, I say it too. I say it all the time because we really do need to think about people at the center of, of the experience that we're looking to design or, or the technology we're looking to deploy. It's, you know, we make the mistake of saying HR technology as if we're designing solutions for HR folks. Uh, when HR solutions are intended to improve work productivity and experience and drive engagement and support the actual workforce. So there are a few capabilities, marketing, storytelling is one of them for sure, but experience, design, and data are the other HR capabilities that are uh, becoming more critical, actually table stakes uh, than they've ever been before. Uh, because that's so important, you really that sort of people-centered, human-centered design thinking and approach when it comes to supporting and providing services to uh, to how people work, especially now. I mean, now it's distributed. Work is distributed. Um, you can't rely on physical constructs and office places, and like you literally have to be able to support people where they are in every sense possible. Uh, so digitizing that experience um, is not a technology solution. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking that involves data, as you said, and, and true experience design. Different skill sets for HR than, than we used to think about, uh, for sure. So Bill, we've talked about the crazy year that has been 2020. We've all We've all had to find ways. You talked earlier about knowing your why, finding your why. Uh, tell me a little bit about you and yours. How, how have you been finding daily inspiration and, and motivation these days? I know we're both runners. That must be one way you keep your head on straight. Yeah. So um, despite 2020 being you know, a pretty crazy year, uh, the answer to this question is, is very easy for me. Uh, I've got a, I've got a four-month old boy called Arthur um I'm a I'm a first time dad so that 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 that's changed that's changed my life that's changed my priorities you know there's 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 nothing more important uh than 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 uh, for me than, than um uh, being, being a good dad you know that that's my top priority in life now um how how can I make sure that 
he has the best life possible and uh, and I, I maximize every every moment with him um, uh, unfortunately he's a very hungry baby he's uh he's <laughs> nine he's 19 pounds and four months old so he's a giant baby so a, lo- a lot of that time is you know given up to to feeding him but when we're not doing that um, it's it's enjoying the little things today jess he he rolled over for the first time you know that, that that's that's that's, that's awesome you know oh, <laughs> um, awesome. Maybe, i don't know maybe that sounds like a small thing but for me i was like wow no. he's just he's just rolled over um yeah. beyond arthur uh you know it, it's it's i, I want to continue in, in my work life i want to be able to continue in positions where i'm building communities and and helping to to share share experiences and and uh, maybe challenges challenging people's mindsets and hopefully through that making a bit of a difference yeah, absolutely. I love that you shared that. I'm excited that he rolled over too. I love celebrating milestones. I think they're important. Um, I think it gives us something, they, they give us anchors, you know, and I think anchors are pretty important when, when we feel, when everything is turbulent. Uh, I think those anchors are pretty important. Bill, how should people find or follow you? You have so many great um, places to absorb good storytelling and content and to find fantastic events with with really powerful speakers what are the the best ways for people to follow all of the great things that you're putting out there well jess i'm ashamed to say it ain't tiktok i haven't got to grips with that yet um i don't know maybe i never will maybe i'm just too old for tiktok um but um i'm I'm all over linkedin uh you can also find me on twitter um if you want to if you want to email me you can email me at bbanham at hr-gazette.com uh please do check out uh, the hr gazette and uh, innovate work so we're doing loads of events at innovate work uh we're recording this show in in early-ish november october sorry early-ish october and uh and we've got gosh i don't know four five six events planned over the next six weeks um in uh all across North America, the UK, Australia, the Caribbean, and elsewhere. So um, I, I co-present a bunch of those. So you know, get involved with those, and they're, they're all free as well. Uh, we made the we made the conscious decision at the beginning of uh, of, uh, of COVID that we weren't going to charge for any of our events. People are in tough times, um, and we want to we want to give that content away. So do check those out as well, Jess. I love it. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been such a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you for all of the great work you're doing in our space. It takes a lot of that. It takes a lot of us sharing our, our best ideas with each other. That's how we, how we drive innovation and change. So thank you. Thank you so much for being my guest and have a great rest of the day and go smooch Arthur on the cheek for me after his <laughs> for the first time. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Jess. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on today. Take care.